Good morning, church. And I'm with the President Park Life Group as well. And uh, today I'll be reading Psalm 108. Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. God has promised in his holiness. With exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. This is the word of God. Uh, Thanks, Yvette, uh, for the Bible reading. Once again, just to extend a warm welcome to all those who are visiting us for the first time. Uh, We are delighted that you are here this morning, and we'd love to get to know you. Uh, My name is Raphael, and I'm one of the ministers here at Christ Church Nidren. This morning and next Sunday, we'll be looking at two Psalms. Today we'll look at Psalm 108, and next Sunday we'll look at Psalm 3. This is just a nice way transition from Easter as we reflect on the Psalms, and then after that, after these two weeks, we'll start a new series. I want you to bow your head as we pray, as we come to God's Word. Oh Jesus, we thank you that we can come together as your people. We thank you because we have been redeemed We thank you that you paid off your life so that we can have life in you. And this morning, we want to commit our gathering before you, that, Lord, it will be a pleasing offering to you as we've been singing, as we've been praying, and now as we come to your word. We pray that you soften our hearts and minds and help your word to find a fertile soil within us. And Lord, as your servant, I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We all go through moments in life where things are very tough. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Tough situations will happen to us. Everyone experiences suffering in a way or another. Reflecting on the ups and downs of life, a French novelist by the name of Jean Domerson said this, I quote, Thanks for the roses. Thanks for the tears. 
life is not a perpetual feast. It is a valley of tears, but it is also a valley of roses. If you speak of tears, you must not forget the roses. And if you speak of roses, you must not forget the tears. So this is how life is, ups and down. You remember we always sing this kid's song, sometimes good things happen and sometimes bad things happen. And now the question for all of us is this, where do we run to or where do we draw strength to face the challenges of life? Where do we look at at that very moment when life hits hard on us, when bad things happen to us, when we are in the valley of tears, who do we run to for strength? Where do we go? You see, the Bible presents us with examples of people who have walked this journey, people that we can call heroes of the faith, who went through difficult situations, and how they turn to God for help and strength because of how they have seen God to be trustworthy throughout history. Yes, in bad times, God is there with his children and we can run to him. In fact, this is one of the things that the Bible does not hide. That even us as believers as God's beloved children, we will go through the valley of tears. Of course, your suffering might be different from mine, but we will all suffer in a way or another. That's the nature of our broken world. But what also the Bible tells us is that when we go through suffering, we are never alone. God is always there with us. And of course, at times, we don't seem to see him there. Because things are tough. God is there with us. And that's why we can turn to him. So if someone was to tell you that, you know, as a believer, you will never go through suffering, just remind them of the heroes of the faith that we have in the Bibles. How their life was suffering after suffering. And how they turn to God. And if they say that that is not suffering, then you can agree with them that as God's children will never suffer. But we know for sure how these people think about David, how he ran for his life. Think about Joseph in Egypt, starting by his brothers selling him. Think about Daniel in the den of lions. Think about all the apostles how their life turned upside down and how they were killed because of their faith. So even as God's children, we will still experience the suffering of this world. So what we have here in front of us is Psalm 108 that Yvette so lovely read for us. This psalm is very unique and very distinct, and I'll explain why. If you look at the structure of Psalm 108, it is made up of two parts. But these two parts are taken word for word from two previous Psalms. If you look verses 1 up to 5 of Psalm 108, these verses are taken word for word 
from Psalm 57, from verse 7 to 11. And if you look at the second half, from verse 6 to verse 13 of Psalm 108, these verses are taken word for word from Psalm 60, from verse 5 to 12. And if you are like me, at this point, you ask yourself this question. Why a new psalm if we already have these verses previously in other psalms? Why repeating these same verses from Psalm 57 and Psalm 60? Why a new psalm? Was David out of his mind? Was he tired when he was writing down this psalm for us? And of course, this is not the right question to ask because we know that although David is the human being who wrote this psalm, this psalm, we know that God inspired him. God used the skills of David to write down this psalm for us. So ultimately, the author of Psalm 108 is God. So he wanted us to have it as it is, made of the second half of Psalm 67 and the last two-thirds of Psalm 60. And this is what Spurgeon has to say, who was a great preacher. The Holy Spirit is not short of expressions that he needs to repeat himself. There must be intention in the arrangement of two former divine utterances in a new connection. It's not as if God didn't know, didn't know what to write suddenly and then he said, well, I'll take this part and this part and form a new psalm. No, there's intention in the why God wanted us to have Psalm 108. And when we read this Psalm 108, we can see how the two components from Psalm 57 and Psalm 60, they all fit together so perfectly giving us a prayer that celebrates God's covenant love and faithfulness. So this psalm is about expressing praise and confidence to God. And this is the beauty of the psalms. The psalms are prayer that you and me can use at any time. Think about those moments when life is tough, when you are crippled by the weight of problems around you, and you do not know what to say to God, what to tell Him. Well, just pray a psalm. Those moments where you are overwhelmed with joy and you do not have words to express your thanksgiving to God. Pray a psalm. The psalm allows us to express the frank outpouring of our souls to God. And as we express the frank outpouring our souls to God, at the same time, we are hearing God's very words to us, speaking to us in the situation that we are in. The psalm are a prayer that you and me can pray at any time. They allow us to tell God exactly how we feel. And at the same time, we hear the very word of God to us. Let's quickly look at these two Psalms, 57 and 60, which form the background to Psalm 108. These two Psalms, as you can see, they are prayers of David. So David used these Psalms as he was praying, which obviously makes Psalm 108 also a prayer. 
In Psalm 57, we have an individual prayer of lament by David. Possibly when he was running for his life from Saul. Saul wanted to kill him. When you read verses 1 up to verse 6 of Psalm 57, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fairy beasts. The children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. So you can see David is in a very difficult situation. He's crying out to God for help. He's lamenting to God. He's praying to God. He's running for his life. And under these very circumstances that he finds himself in, circumstances that are threatening to his life, that's when he turns and expresses his praise and confidence in the second part of this Psalm 57, which forms the first half of Psalm 108 that we are reading this morning. Same as Psalm 60. In Psalm 60, we have a community prayer of lament. It's again by David and the people of Israel. Possibly when David and his army were defeated by the Arameans and the Edomites and some of his conquests. Luke 61 to 4. Oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches for its daughters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to eat from Baal. This is David, people of Israel, and his army, defeated by the Edomites. The people are not in a good space. They are crying out to God because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. And under these circumstances of national lament, when David and his army have been defeated, under these very circumstances, the community expresses their praise and confidence in the second part of Psalm 60, which constitutes the second part of Psalm 108 that was read for us. So if you think about it, this change of tone within the psalm, suddenly they were crying and then they changed into praise and confidence to God. It's a bit like a child. When you leave a child on the ground, unattended, playing on their own, for a while they will be playing and then they will start crying because they feel neglected. No one is looking after them. No one takes care of them. But the second you approach the child and you hold the child in your hand, the tears change into smile. They start smiling because they know now they've got your attention and you are there for them. 
This is almost what we have here, the change of tones into these psalms. But for David and the people of Israel, it's not as if God came and hold them by the hand. But they changed their prayer of lament into prayer of praise and confidence because David reminds himself of who God is and what God has said and done in the past. So he reminds himself what God has done. He reminds himself of what God has said in the past. That's why he can change his prayer of lament into prayer of praise and confidence to God. You know, when we read the Bible and hear the Psalms, we come face to face with the very word of God. We encounter God himself speaking to us when we read the Bible. It's as if you're having a date with God. God is sitting there and he's talking to you as you're reading his word. He's directly speaking to you. And the question is, what is your attitude towards the Bible? How serious do we take the reading of God's word? Do we believe that it is indeed God's word? Or do we take it as any other book where we can go and check when things are tough and we need some moral lessons for life or how to come from the deep waters? Is that how we consider the Bible? Remember, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 reminds us that all Scripture, all Scripture, not a part of it, not a part that I'm comfortable with, all Scripture is God's breathed. So it's inspired by God. It's God's word. 2 Peter 1.21 also affirms that the prophecy that we have here in the Bible were given by God through men who spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The, God, the Bible is God's word. It's God speaking to us in the here and now, in our world today. That is why here at Christchurch Midrand, we will never be apologetic for teaching the Bible. Whoever will stand on this pulpit will make sure the Bible is taught. We all have good things to say as preachers, but those things are irrelevant as long as they are not God's word. So we all want to be heard, but those things will not bring people here on a Sunday. That's not why we are here. So the Bible is not the preacher's, it's not the preacher's own word. It's not the the, the, the believer's own word. It's not the rector's own word. It's not Christchurch Midrand's own word. No. The Bible is God's word. And when we speak about God, we speak about the one who made everything out of nothing. And if it is God's word, which indeed it is, we should be careful on how we view the Bible. We should really pay attention to what the Bible says. Because this Bible tells us that there are only two ways to live our lives. It's under the authority of King Jesus, whose death and the resurrection we remembered last week. He came to die for us. He took upon himself all our sins gave us new life in him. 
sin and death has been defeated. So it's either we live under the authority of King Jesus or either we live under our own authority, which will end in tears. This is what the Bible tells us. So Psalm 108 that we have here in front of us ends with these two positives, a second house from 57 and 60, and they express the praise and thanksgiving and confidence to God in spite of the circumstances, the life-threatening circumstances people are going in. And this psalm, as we said earlier, it is a prayer. It's about God's people opening up their hearts as they speak to him. And the question is, what is this prayer that Psalm 08 is all about? What is this prayer about? But before we dig into what this prayer is all about, let me just make one or two comments about prayer. Prayer is a great gift to all of us as God's children that we should enjoy or we must enjoy. Because prayer shows that we are in a relationship with God who is our Father. But also prayer shows that we are in a total dependence of God. He is our Father. Earlier on, we saw that the Bible was God's very word to us. So God speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. And we, in return, speak to God as we pray. So two people cannot be in a relationship if they do not communicate. It doesn't matter what relationship it is. Father, son, mother, son, parents, children, friends, in a marriage. Communication must be there for people to talk. One direct implication from this will be, if we do not pray, it means we are intentionally neglecting our relationship with God who is our Father. Think about it. And of course, we should ask God to forgive us and help us to be people who pray. Because it shows that we are in a relationship with him. We totally depend on him. There's nothing we can do on our own. He is our father. He loves us. Once again, what a great privilege for you and for me. Sinners as we are. To know that we can speak directly to the holy God. The one who made everything out of nothing. Who is our father. I do not know about you, but for me, I find it very humbling that God made it possible through Jesus for me to be able to speak to him in my own language, wherever I find myself, to open up my heart to him, to tell him about all my anxieties, to ask him to forgive me because I have sinned again. And to ask strength from him to face sin and temptation in my life. It is so humbling. It's a great privilege that God has given us. That is why once again here at Christ Church Midrand, we take prayer seriously. Ministry cannot, cannot happen on its own. 
Black mentioned that we have a prayer and praise on the 4th of May. So we believe that before a term starts, we come together as a church family so that we can pray that God can use us, that his kingdom may prevail, that people may come to know him and commit everything before him. You may not know, but here at Christ Church Midland, we have the prayer chain, which is a team of fellow brothers and sisters, 60 plus people who week after week pray for the needs of our church family, of our country, of our world. You may not know, we have a team of people every Sunday morning before the 9.30 service starts, they're in the prayer room. They pray, they commit a service before God that God can use all of us, that his name can be proclaimed. We have a team of people who will pray for the specific needs and requests after church in that same prayer room. So these people are not seen on the stage here, but they are committed to praying. Why do they do that? Because they understand what a privilege it is to pray not just for themselves, but for the need of others. That's why they pray. And maybe this will be a way for you to serve, to be part of this team of people who serve others as they pray. Back to our passage. What is Psalm 108 all about? What is this prayer all about? Three points that we'll be looking at. First of all, it is a prayer for God to redeem. A prayer for God to redeem. Second, it is a prayer for God to be in control. A prayer for God to be in control. And lastly, it is a prayer for God to empower his children and their lives. Prayer for God to empower his children and their lives. First, let's look at prayer for God to redeem. Read with me verses 1 to 6 of Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp, and lie. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer answer me. When you look at verse 4, it is very clear that this prayer for God to redeem, as we see in verse 6, is anchored in the character of God, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. And how do we know that? We know that because God has said that earlier on. When you read Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him, who is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So it is anchored in the character of God. He is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. And this is 
what God has said about himself. It's like a promise. So when we pray and ask God to redeem or to save, as we see in verse 6, that your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand and answer me. Although this verse initially was for David's military success, it also applies for the role that Israel was supposed to play among the nations, that people will see the God of Israel through them. They were supposed to be a blessing to the world. They were supposed to be a blessing to the pagan nations that they will come to see God. So, when we pray and ask God to redeem or to save, what are we doing? We are just appealing to God by his own nature. That's what we are doing. And of course, God cannot contradict himself. And for us today, we know that we can pray for salvation because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has accomplished on that cross, what he has done for us. So God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness is seen in the person of Jesus, whom we remembered last week. So this psalm is telling us that it is right for us as God's people to pray for salvation. We know of our relatives who haven't accepted Jesus. We know of our friends who are still hiding from Jesus. We know of that colleague at the office who doesn't want to hear the word Jesus. This psalm is inviting us to pray for them, for their salvation. We need to pray for God to save them. And God always keeps his promises, and he will do it at his own time. It may not happen when you are praying for it, but God is faithful to himself. He will do the right thing. And God does not need to apologize because he does always keep his promises. That's why he is God. He isn't like you and me. Each and every time we need to apologize for things that we promised that we didn't fulfill. But God has not deemed that. So God will never say, for instance, you know, darling, I know I promised you during Easter we'll visit your family, but you know things came for work, you know, emergent things. That needs me to stay here. I won't be able, we won't be able to see your family. And of course, I'm told that, you know, men, they like their in-laws. They love them. But they are just not big fans of visiting them all the time. But they do love them. So God will never apologize for that because he always keeps his promises. Or he will never tell you, oh, son, I know I promised you that we'll go and watch this game, but, you know, things have been hard. I can't, we can't do it right now. God will never do that. He always keeps his promises. He fulfills them. What he says, he does. And here... He is inviting us to pray for salvation. Once again, what a great privilege for you and for me to know that we can pray for salvation for people. Second point, prayer for God to be in control. Remember, first point, prayer for God to redeem or to save. Second, prayer for God to be in control. Let's read from verse 7. God has promised in his holiness, with exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out of the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet. 
Judah is my scepter, Moab is my wash person. Upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. When you look at verse 7 again, it is very clear that this prayer is that of confidence in the sovereignty of God. God has said, he has proclaimed. And this is rooted in what God has said and done in the past. God is the main character here in this story in the Bible. He is the one who is in charge in this psalm that we are reading. God is affirming that not only Israel, but all the nations are under his control. Even the nations that are enemy to Israel, they are under his control. He is the man in charge. And because every nation is under his control, even Israel, they will play a role to fulfill his plan, the plan that God committed himself to from before time that he will flawlessly carry through and that plan will always prevail. And the question again for you and for me this morning is, when last you and me prayed and asked God to take control over all aspects of our lives, when last did we say, Lord, your will be done in my life, not what I want, but what you want? When last did you say, Lord, I don't want to be in charge, but I want you to be in charge. Even in that very aspect of my life that I hold on to, I want you to take control. I surrender all to you. Especially when it's difficult, when, 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 when difficult and dangerous situations threaten us. Here again, what do we learn about this prayer? We learn that prayer is an appeal to God for what he has said. So basically, when we pray, we are aligning our priorities to God's priorities. You see, your circumstances and my circumstances will change. They always do. But God's word is unchangeable. It doesn't change to remain the same. That is why we can always run to him and ask him to take control. Why? Because of what he has said and because we know that he is indeed in charge. Third point, remember the first one is the prayer for God to redeem. Second, prayer for God to be in control. And lastly, prayer for God to empower his children and their lives. Let's read from verse 10 again, Psalm 108. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of men. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who tread down our foes. What we have here, we have a voice of someone who seems to be defeated by life, asking God to strengthen him. Verse 12, 
Oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of men. When we are facing the hardest challenges of life, when life seems not to make sense because of one problem after the other, when I am in my lowest, lowest moment, this psalm is telling me that I can run to God because only Him can strengthen my soul. In verse 10, David acknowledges his inability to defeat his, in, his enemy, which is Edom. He says, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? He acknowledges that he's not able to do that. In verse 12, he acknowledges that no man can help him. He says, oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of men. No one can come to his rescue. In verse 13, he turns to God. With God we shall do valiantly. It is who will tread down our foes. How often do we turn to God when we find ourselves in deep water, in difficult situation? Our default setting is always to find people around us who can help, who can do this. But how often when we face the hardest challenges of life, we are on our knees and ask God, Strengthen my soul. Help me to come through this before we can even think of where to go. How often do we do that? This prayer that is Psalm 108 reminds me that I must always pray for people to be saved, for God's sovereign power to rule, and for strength, especially when bad things happen to us. And even when good things happen, we still have to pray. We can only turn to God because only Him can strengthen us. Only Him can refresh our souls. Only Him can give us the peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of the challenges of life that we go through. So stop running away from God. Challenges will always be there. You might be going through the most difficult time in your life that I can't even relate to. And you're thinking to yourself, where do I go from here? What do I do? Well, this psalm is inviting us to be on our knees and to ask God to help us, to strengthen us. Because only Him can do that. No one else can do that. Like David, you can tell God your heart. You can open up your heart to Him. Whether you are praying for salvation or for God to take control or for strength, He wants to listen to you. He is your Father. He loves you. You can run to Him. Good things happen, but God is there. Bad things happen as well, but God is there. Just like verse 13 ends our psalm, with God we shall do valiantly. It is He who will trade down our foes. Indeed, with God we shall do valiantly. And we can always run to Him. 
Let us pray. Maybe take a minute of silence as you reflect on God's word, but also when you look at your own life, uh, the challenges of life that you are going through, uh, that you haven't been able to open up uh, frankly to God, and just take a few seconds as you open up to God about them and commit them to Him, because only Him can restore your soul, only Him can give you strength to face the challenges that you might be going through. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, your word that speaks to us in our world today. We thank you because that the only truth that we can stand by, the only truth that refreshes our soul, and the only truth that we have, Lord. And we thank you that we are reminded that you have spoken to us as we read your word, but also that we have this great privilege for us to be able to speak to you as we pray. And Lord, we pray that you will forgive us each and every time when we didn't take seriously our time to read your word, our time to speak to you, and we just consider it as any other thing that Christians do. But Lord, we pray that you help us to really be intentional into spending time with you. And thank you, Lord, for reminding us from your word that, Lord, no matter what situation we are facing right now, you are in control. We thank you for reminding us that we can pray for salvation. We thank you for reminding us that we can pray for you to be in control of our lives. And we can pray for strength that only you can give. And as we start this new week, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you. Help us, Lord, wherever you have placed us, to be people who love you, who will live for you, who will stand for you, and who will speak for you. All these things, we commit them to you, in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.